Money FM 89.3, best of workday afternoon. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon and welcome to Market View on Money FM 89.3. I'm Clarissa Montero, joined in the studio by finance presenter JP Ong. And yeah. you know what? Last week, has it only been a week, we were debating whether we would retake uh, 2,600 points on the SDI. Now we're looking at the possibility of falling below 25. Actually, that possibility is now a reality. Oh no, really? Yes. In the last hour, I have to rub my eyes for a touch there, just to make sure I wasn't seeing things. But the Straits Times Index, fortunately, is at 2,493. So that's a 36-point intraday decline for the Singapore benchmark, 1.4% in the red. And if you think this is just a skittish move down, there's some real gravitas behind that's mm-hmm. pulling mm-hmm. The STI downwards, there's there's about 897 million Singapore dollars in total trades changing hands at this juncture. And usually that's the amount of turnover you'd see when I start my four o'clock report. But you're seeing that there's a lot of folks still heading towards the exits. 203 stocks, REITs and trusts that are in the red or languishing in the red, 166 that are in the green. When you take that and compare that to the rest of the region, well, there were also some losses across the Asia Pacific in today's session. Um, One of the few exceptions was the Nikkei is the Nikkei. K225, they're up by 2.1%. The ASX 200 is 12 points in the red, though. Shanghai and Shenzhen both up by about 1.4 and 1.6% each. The South Korean Kospi also trading just a point higher in today's session. And the Hang Seng, though, in the red, down by about 220 points out in Hong Kong. In Taipei, the Taiwan Weighted Stock Exchange also trading about 1.2% in the red. So what might be keeping some markets up first? Because we these are notable exceptions. Stocks in Shanghai, stock in Japan doing fairly well. Well, it could also be because of some of these PMI numbers that came out. The Caixin PMI gauge, which tracks the manufacturing activity across Chinese factories and more skewed towards these small and medium factories out in mainland China, it actually rose by more than what economists were expecting. Now, most economists were expecting an expansion of about 51.3. Well, they just decided to take that target and rip it up. PMI for Caixin PMI gauge, at least rising by 52.8. So it's also signaling that some of these smaller and medium-sized factories in China might be getting more of a boost or a bump up in recent times, especially when compare it to the official gauge, which tracks more of the state-owned enterprises. They expanded, but but not as much, by 51.1. So you're seeing that there's some positive news, at least there. Still in contraction for Japanese and South Korean PMI, but at 45.2 in Tokyo, 46.9 in Seoul, these are actually improvements from the months before. So there could be an argument that manufacturing activity and industrial activity in these Northeast Asian powerhouses is starting to improve. Then again, you also have the specter of the COVID-19 pandemic continuing to weigh on more economies and the prospect of possible uh, new lockdowns and new restrictions weighing on certain countries. Um, the state of Victoria and the city of Melbourne, Australia, has imposed curfews now. They are trying to curb an increased rise in cases in those places. You have Vietnam thinking about a possible mild lockdown to try and control the recent spike in cases out there. The city of London is also considering a possible cordoning off of the UK's capital to try mm. and limit the spread. Most of the cases coming from that from the, from the UK's capital also one of the Fed's senior members in the U.S., Neil Kashkari, who is the president of the uh, Federal Reserve Bank in Minneapolis, he actually said that it might be in the U.S.'s best interest to go back into a four to six week shutdown for the greater good of the American economy to try and control the spread of those cases. But you're seeing this also starting to be met by certain resistance. Case in point, uh, in recent days, we saw this massive protest in Germany, actually, or in Berlin, where they actually where they came out en masse saying they're opposed to a possible second 
lockdown. So you're starting to see a little bit of pushback from certain sectors of society in these places, which might make the imposition of some social restrictions, if it is necessary for the greater good of the public. It does cast questions as to whether or not the, the public itself in these countries might still be behind it or if they're worn down mm-hmm. by a possible second lockdown. And mind you, I mean, we, as we saw during our circuit breaker, um, not exactly... Not exactly the most ideal situations, especially for many folks. There's, uh, there are many reports of people suffering from possible mental pressure and mental stress also. Sure. It just makes it a little bit more delicate for folks. Nevertheless, you're seeing many markets in the Asia-Pacific holding on to gains, except for Singapore. And it does lead us back to the question of how the banks are doing, because they are set to report earnings later on this week. And many analysts who cover the big three are foreshadowing that there's going to be bigger loan loss provisions, uh, a possible uh, cut in their net income for the second quarter, but they're also facing possible uncertainty moving forward. If the government starts to withdraw or starts to eat or starts to lessen some of the support they've given to various sectors, could mm-hmm. this actually lead to more loan losses? Could this lead to defaults? Could this lead to con- companies actually closing up shop here? And what will that do the outstanding loan balances on the books of many of the of, uh, of Singapore's banks? Now, their, their pockets are deep, but nevertheless, it's something that folks will be watching out for to see if this will further impede on these banks that have already been encouraged to cap their dividends to 60% of last week's payouts. Um, just to take a look at these, DBS is down by 1.5% so far today. UOB down by 1.9%. One surprising thing is that OCBC is the best of the worst. They're down by 1 cent, 0.1% in the red. But mind you, when you take these three banks together, that's 40% of the entire weighting of the STI. So when these guys start to take a step back, the STI gets dragged down with it as well. And you're seeing that happen or playing out on the first trading day of this week. And it is... Um just below 2,500 yeah, points. Yeah, about seven points below that. Let's see if it's held on because, you know, as uh, I, I, I am known to talk for a long time, uh, it has <laughs> extended those losses today, Clarissa. It's now 2491. I don't know what to say about that. I feel like I need to go play golf again. <laughs> <laughs> All the good vibrations from my golf game yesterday just evaporated. Uh, you might need a mulligan now. <laughs> I might need some. I think the market needs a mulligan. There you go. All there you right. go. Especially for this Monday. <laughs> you know what is ironic, though? Um, earlier today, at least before the lunch break, the ASX in Australia was up. Despite their stage four lockdown, phase four lockdown that they've announced in uh, Victoria mm-hmm. and the spike in cases in New South Wales. And how is the ASX doing now? Well, as we mentioned, the ASX 200 might have trimmed, ba- uh, pared back some of those losses. They're down by just about 10 points today. So maybe not as bad as we saw earlier on. This mm-hmm. could also be down to perhaps the gold miners that are getting a boost. Remember, gold is now at an all-time high, 1976. No, that, that's not the year I was born. That's the price <laughs> of gold uh, per troy ounce. And many are are actually betting it's a matter of when and not if gold will breach 2,000 a troy ounce. It's very possible because risks are mounting. More risk-off sentiment is starting to build up. And we're seeing gold move up in lockstep with some of these tech stocks in the United States also, which creates a bit of an interesting uh, parallel there. But if these tech stocks start to uh, start to pull back, not saying that it will, this could also fuel an even more pr- a pronounced flight to safe havens. And because interest rates are so low at the moment, Gold is being seen as the new beneficiary, especially since the U.S. dollar has started to take a huge step back and and pulling back more and more, and partly because the safe haven allure of the U.S. dollar is starting to wane, but also because there are fears that the U.S. economy itself might start to 
falter even more or the recovery is going to stutter and stall. Plus also the uncertainty of the U.S. elections coming in November. Put all of that together, dollar bulls might be on a bit of a wait and see approach at the moment, but that's going to benefit gold. And gold is doing very well. Gold is doing quite well. As we mentioned, 1974 now. It's it's uh, just take it's just uh, trimming a few of those gains, but they are still very much within striking distance of that 2,000, the troy ounce okay, target. Okay, so what is the bright spot? on the, the market right now. We've well, seen a lot of stocks tumble. We've seen the SDI tumble. Oh Well, there's two particular bright spots here. No rewards, no prizes for people who can guess why MedTech International is back in the green. They're up by 11%. This could be a lot of speculation coming back to the makers of PPEs. But with the advent or the rise or the resurgence of COVID-19 cases around the world and a number of hospitals starting to report that, hey, we're starting to feel a little bit more pressure because of new cases that we have to take care of, the demand for PPEs might be on the rise again. Medtex International might be benefiting from that, which is why they're 11% higher. And for gainers on the STI itself, uh, good old-fashioned SGX back up by 3.5%. I was actually quite surprised with that. Not that I don't think that the SGX is a a good bet, but... you hear that, Jeff? (laughs) Yeah. But still, I I was surprised that uh, it was so strongly supported Well, I'm, I'm not entirely surprised. Last week when the markets closed, the SGX did Report their profits uh, rose significantly in hmm. the last in the in their previous fiscal year. And All right, SGX Jeff, you're on, paying for dinner. Right there, you go. Um, and so, <laughs> but the SGX also reported that this was also because, especially, saw a very strong fourth quarter, and because of the rise in volatility and also trading activity, the SGX has profited, and also because a lot of the derivatives and options that people use to uh, to to gain some cover or to or to hedge some of their bets, the demand for the SGX's derivative products has also risen significantly, Mm -hmm. thus leading to this. But it's also this other thing. The SGX apparently, and some people were saying that this was a surprise, but a pleasant surprise. They decided to raise their final quarterly dividend to eight Singapore cents a piece. Now, that's half a cent higher than what they declared in their their fourth quarter from the fiscal year of 2019. But nevertheless, an improvement in your dividend outlays is going to be better than nothing, especially since people are looking for these dividend stocks, these possible defensive plays, and people will be looking for po- for signs uh, for dividend uh, yielding stocks that also seem to be rather stable and the SGX seems to be one of those keep in mind also that Jeffrey's uh, banking analyst Krishna Guha when they asked him well which of the banks do you like he says well actually I like the SGX more because of some of these facets he feels that whether or not there's more volatility or not whether the markets go up and down there's going to be continued demand and, and that will benefit the SGX's coffers also especially because they have this growing segment of uh, of derivatives that they offer to the market that's seen a lot of attraction and appeal and they don't seem to be a changing course anytime soon and thus the SGX hey if you have a decent dividend to offer at the moment your stock's probably going to do well and the SGX itself is uh, proof positive of that in today's session up by well it's trimmed those it's paired back a little bit of those gains but not by much it's still up by 3.4% I'd say it's still a very good day for the SGX this Monday $8.45 All right, JP so you know what we're going to be talking to uh, Mr. Jeff Howie from the SGX about re- when he joins us on Friday. I'll, I'll let you put him on the spot. That's not going to be my job. <laughs> well, other than uh, you know, quizzing him about these dividends, etc., and how well the SGX has been moving today, and I'm going to assume perhaps even later this week, mm-hmm. we're also going to make sure he is doing the paying <laughs> at dinner and drinks. There you go. There you go. Uh, we've decided this, Jeff, mm-hmm. just so you know.
All right. Now, Tomasek has decide has to decide by the end of this month on uh, preconditions for Kepol's. Their offer for Kepol, but um, Kepol Corporations have they reported yet? They did actually, and it wasn't a terribly pretty picture. Was it was it? not. I would say it was. Uh, apologies to the folks at Kepol, but it was a, a somewhat ugly. A report card, mm-hmm. to be honest, and and mostly because of those possible impairments. Now, remember, in early June, they said that they needed their Swedish uh, subsidiary Flotel, which provides vessels for the offshore and marine sector, to reevaluate and uh, re and uh, revalue their 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 fleet of vessels because one of their uh, major competitors, Norway's ProSafe, actually recorded a bigger impairment than they did during that time. Actually, a uh, Flotel only recorded, I believe, a, an impairment. Uh, an impairment of about 30 million uh, uh it, it was it was i think it was around 30 million uh, singapore dollars um on their particular on their on their vessels but flota but uh but prosafe actually recorded an 810 million dollar impairment so they said well maybe we need to go back to the books and actually use some of the assumptions that one of our competitor one of our peers is using and because of that they actually saw a massive impairment of about 919 million singapore dollars so basically their 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 vessels Underneath Keppel's O and M and under under Pro, under uh, Flotel's uh, fleet, that's actually nine hundred and nineteen million Singapore dollars lower, and which thus resulted in a record loss, a second quarter record loss of six hundred ninety seven million Singapore dollars. If you take out that um, revaluation itself, um, you uh, say uh, Keppel would have actually seen a net profit of about uh, uh, would have seen actually growth in their net profit or earnings would have been up by 45% without that impairment. But the more important thing is that Keppel's uh, CEO Lo Chin Hua has pointed out that yes, because of that, Keppel believes that the 20% threshold in the material adverse change clause has been crossed in terms of the net profit after tax, which means that it could cause Temasek to revisit that offer to take a majority stake in Keppel. Remember that part of that deal, there's a clause there that says that as long as there's not a material change in your um, of 20% in your assets, uh, in, in the company's assets, then they can make the offer at these particular terms. But because of this, Temasek might have to go back to the drawing board and say, well, you know, there's been an adverse change. We'll have to change the terms of the deal. Or Tomasic might even be convinced to scupper the deal itself. Now, Tomasic has basically said that they will have until the end of this month to actually deliberate on some of these changes and the preconditions for Keppel's offer. So it's not completely off the table. It's still, it's not dead in the water, at least. But definitely, there's a lot more things for the folks at Tomasic to consider with regards to this potential majority stake that they want to take in one of Singapore's largest conglomerates. I'm trying to desperately think here. What what happy notes can we end market view on? And I can't find one. It's difficult to uh, find one at the The price moment. of gold. The price of gold's up. Um, you is know, it still up? Has it gone up anymore? Uh, let's just go back to the USD. It is holding at 1974. 1974 is where it is. 1974. But remember, we are about $26 away, US dollars away from hitting 2000. And uh, developments we just laid out. Um, yeah, 2000, I think, is not an unimaginable uh, a, a level to breach and could, and uh, might be just the next uh, the next um, resistance level for this precious metal that's, that is now the safe haven of choice, at least, for the time being. All right. And on that uh, cheerful note. <laughs>
This has been Market View. Safety's on, cheerful. Yes, it is. Market View on Money FM 89.3. I'm Clarissa Montero, joined by finance presenter JP Ong. He'll be back for another Market View update at 4... What is it again? I'd say about 4.05 is the exact 405 time. 4.05 on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.